I have to, uh, Brother Chris believes I can't preach without a little technology. He, he picks at me about that, uh, but he's very, very kind. Uh, he's very kind to me and understanding. I um, have been a diabetic now for about 30 years. I get that honest, by the way, Sister Laverne. Uh, my father was a diabetic and my grandmother. So I have retinopathy now, um, and I managed to do well with it. Um, the backlit screens help me, but I'm using the Bible uh, in print tonight, not on my iPad, because I left my iPad. I wasn't expecting to speak. Um, <laughs> but Brother Chris sent me something that I want to read, and it touches my heart, uh, and I will now share with him when this song came to me this week. So I was reading this verse of scripture um, this week. It was in my, uh, you know, I have to have a plan to make it through the Bible every year. I, so it, there's a little plan that helps me. There's a little reading calendar that I use, and we just finished the last day, and I hope you did. I hope you finished today. Um, but this was this week, and I was seated in my little platform rocker in my dining room where I read every morning, me and the good Lord. And um, I wish I could say that every single morning I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost and his warm and fond embrace, and my mind is stirred, my heart is stirred, and my soul is set on fire. But it's not. <laughs> it's not every morning. I wish I could say that. I do, Brother Quinn, but I can't. But this morning it was. I was reading this past week in the book of Zechariah. It was that day's reading. It's just my devotional reading. I read plenty of other things, but I read this much every day. So this was the last verse of the last thing I was reading that day. And you know how the minor prophets are. They, you know, they begin usually with doom and gloom, Israel, well, Judah or Israel, depending on the minor prophet. You deserve this. You've been unfaithful. You've turned away from me. I'm turning away from you. I'm going to send judgments. The Chaldeans are come on swift horses, and they're going to dispatch everybody. You're going to, it's, you know, just doom and gloom, judgment, misery, and woe. And then at some point in the Minor Prophets, the tone changes. And God begins to extend mercy. And I will heal and I'll send the latter rains. And I'll give you back the year that the canker is eaten and the locust is eaten and the palmer worm. And I'm going to send grace. Well, and Zechariah is doing that now. He's promising that there's going to be great restoration in spite of the sins, the unfaithfulness of his people. And I still need to hear that today, by the way, because I'm still a sinner. And I still need to know that there's restoration and faithfulness. Here's the verse, very quickly. I'm going to get out Brother David's way soon. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. This comes on the heels of incredible, really over-the-top promises. They're just amazing. And they're incredible, overwhelming, over-the-top promises here. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. In those days, it shall come to pass. And let me say this. When in one of the minor prophets it says, in those days, start thinking Jesus Christ. Start thinking the first advent, God manifest in the flesh. In those days, it shall come to pass that ten men, that means this is a representative number. The ten, 
The number 10 often carries with it the idea of representation. By the way, I haven't had the chance to study this at all. This is the first time I've ever spoke to anybody about this. I hadn't studied to speak on it. It's just heavy in my heart. And I thought, this is a good 10 minutes right here. <laughs> in those days, it shall come to pass that 10 men, that is representative, these are representative men, 10 men, notice this, shall take hold out of all languages of nations. So now right away, what does that make you think about in the New Testament? And they sing, as it were, a new song. Worthy is the Lamb. For you have uh, opened the book. You've loosed the seals thereof. How'd you do that? How did you open up the book of blessing on God's people until Christ comes? How did you open up all of those covenant promises to the suffering, persecuted church? How was that book of great blessing open for the church of Christ in this world? Because he said, thou wast slain and hast redeemed us by thy blood. Listen, out of every kindred, out of every tongue, out of every nation, and out of every people. Where are God's people? Everywhere. <laughs> Out of all languages. Well, I don't know that preachers are successfully finding all of them today. It's okay. Jesus is. Out of all languages, they're going to come. God's people, they're going to come, and this is what they're going to do. This is messianic prophecy. This is what's going to take place when the Son of God gets here. Even these representative men, these representatives of the covenant family of God, he says, they shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. That's, that's unusual language, isn't it? What can be the significance of taking hold of the skirt of a Jew? We have heard that God is with you and we will go with you. These people from over, from out of all of the earth, from all around the globe, every kindred is represented, every tongue, every nation, every tribe, every people is represented. And they're going to come to this man who is a Jew. And they're going, to take care, they're going to take hold of his skirt. Now, I did take the time to look up the word skirt. It means the extremity of a garment. It means the end of it. Now, that's not what skirt means to us today. Now, if you've ever been in my home <laughs> and you've been in the Crawford room, I'm Scottish. I'm Scottish. I'm a Crawford. We're from Scotland. And we're thankful. It's, see, I knew he was going to say that. And in the Crawford room, in a shadow box, there is a Scottish kilt. It's not a skirt. Don't listen to him. It's not a skirt. But, you know, it's about the, I could see where you could get confused, but I'm not confused. <laughs> it's a kilt. But so whenever we think of a skirt, though, we think about something that's about from the waist to the knee, right? Waist to the knee, that's a skirt. That's not a skirt in the Hebrew. It means the edge or the extremity. One of the reasons I trust 
One of the reasons that I know this is the word of God, there are over 333 specific messianic prophecies in this book that cannot be force-filled. That means that almost every page, every page of the Old Testament in some way points to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ if we just had faith to see it. And Christ here is screaming off of the page. What a glorious picture of the Son of God is here. And it says that there is coming a man and he's going to be a Jew. And 2,000 years ago, there came a man, if you can call him a man, God manifest in the flesh. We have celebrated him greatly and should celebrate him every day of our life, not just during the month of December. But I believe with everything in me and the Christian's hope in glory is that 2,000 years ago, God came to this earth and he commanded the womb of a virgin to clothe him and to make him a body of flesh. And it was of the seed of Abraham. He was out of the tribe of Judah. Jesus Christ was a Jew. And I'm telling you today, friends, I heard Brother Ricky Harcrow say this when I was a 16-year-old boy. It's so good to see Brother Hollis and Sister Laverne. It's so good to be able to worship with you all. But we were, he was at Mount Enon Church, and we were all there together. And I'll never forget it. Brother Ricky was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ being seated on the right hand of the majesty on high. And he wanted us to understand that there's a man there who understands us because he came here. And he was a man. He was truly a man. And he said this. He said, I want you all to know there's a copper-skinned Jew seated on the right hand of the majesty on high. <laughs> he was born. He's the line of the tribe of Judah. He was a Jew. And so he came. And it says that they will take hold of the skirt of a Jew. A man that is a Jew. And that they will say, we will go with you. And so uh, 2,000 years ago, that precious man, for 30 years, he lived in obscurity. For 30 years, he lived among the poorest of the poor. He lived in poverty. He lived in penury. And for all we know, they just eked out a living. And I'm sure there were times that they went to bed hungry. The crown prince of glory. He didn't make his entrance here as other monarchs do. That man, who was God and man, he came here. And at the time appointed of his father, he stepped out of the pages of obscurity and he stepped onto the scene of human history. And he began to work wonders, amazing wonders, incredible wonders. This is one of the things he did. He came back from the land of Gennesaret. This came to me came back from the land of Gennesaret and he got a little ship and he went across the Sea of Galilee. And as he got off the Sea of Galilee, he hadn't been walking very long. And of course, you know, Jay Iris came to him and said, Lord, my daughter, she's about to die. Please come with me. And so he began to travel that way, but he was pressed in the crowd. And as he was pressed in the crowd, there was a little woman. She'd had an issue of blood. She'd been hemorrhaging, if you can imagine it the misery and the pity of her condition. For 12 years, she had been hemorrhaging. 
And she'd gone to the best doctors of her day. And evidently when she started this journey of infirmity, she had a little money. In order to pay doctors, you had to. She had a little money. But by the time she got through with those doctors, and doctors could be barbaric in that day, the treatments that they provided. And the Word of God says that, uh, she, that it says this about her, what she experienced for those 12 years going to doctors. You know, doctors will let you come to them just as long as you'll go. You've got to be careful about that sometimes. And she said, and the Word of God says that during that 12 years, you listen to this, it says that she suffered like somebody being tormented, that she had suffered many things at the hands of many physicians. And not only was she none the better, but she was worse for it. They couldn't do anything. She went to the best that the world had to offer her. And hopelessness had set in. But she heard about a man that was coming through. A Jewish man that was coming through that was unlike no other men. And she sat inside of herself over in Matthew chapter 9 and in Mark chapter 5. And then evidently later on in Matthew 14, they'd figured out there was something unique about this man's garment. Because they all began. And she said, if I can just but touch the hem of his garment... I shall be made whole. And bless God, that's exactly what happened. She pressed in. She touched the hem of his garment. And he's pressed all around. Now there's a glorious truth in here. He's pressed all around. They're thronging him. And he perceived, the word of God says, that he perceived that virtue had gone out of him. Virtue, righteousness had gone out of him. Now, that's not the prescription for healing sickness, is it? Giving righteousness to heal sickness. Let me tell you, friends, ultimately, ultimately, all sickness in this world is the result of sin. Now, I want to qualify that. I'm not saying that because somebody's got a horrible sickness at Little Union Church, it's because of sin that they've committed. God forbid. That's what Job's friend said. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that you can trace the deterioration of the physiology of men and women, boys and girls, cancers, diseases, congenital diseases. You can trace their origin back to the original foul revolt in the Garden of Eden. That's when our bodies began to die and sickness entered this world. And the ultimate cure for sin and the sickness associated with it is the righteousness of the Son of God. And whenever he comes back the second time without sin and to salvation in the morning of the resurrection, and I put on the garments of his righteousness, sickness is left behind. Disease is left behind. Sorrow's left behind because I'm wrapped in the robes of the righteousness of the Son of God. Virtue's going to cover me in the morning of the resurrection. Sin can't touch me. Amen. Sickness can't touch me. Disease can't touch me. Who touched me? He said. For virtue's gone out of me. Now let me ask you this. Did Jesus, did Jesus ask who touched him for his information? Absolutely not. He knew exactly who touched him. I believe he had an appointment from all eternity with that little woman that day. Jesus acts, Jesus acts on purpose. As a matter of fact, Marx tells us this. Jesus doesn't act arbitrarily or capriciously. God's not a gambler with our salvation. It's not on chance. The Word of God describes that woman. It says it was a certain woman. 
Do you know that in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word is used, the word certain is used over 68 times in the gospel to describe the uh, business of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is a certain Savior. You carry that home with you tonight. The Word of God says He met a certain man. He met a certain young man, a certain nobleman, a certain woman, a certain poor woman, a certain widow, a certain priest, a certain Greek, in a certain city, on a certain season, on a certain day. I'm pretty certain He's a certain God. <laughs> he works on purpose. Our God's a purpose-working God. And that day He had an appointment with a certain woman. <laughs> and righteousness was going to go out. To her, and he turns and looks in the crowd, Who touched me? And one of the disciples had the audacity to say, That's a silly question. That's a silly question. How can you say, Who touched me? Seeing the numbers that are here. I'm telling you, later on, they wouldn't ask that question anymore. They would learn what Jesus would say in John chapter 10, uh, verse 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. <laughs> he knows every one of them. And he knew exactly who that was, who touched him. He had an appointment with her. And righteousness went out of him at his command to heal her sickness that day. Has Jesus ever sent righteousness to you? Has He ever healed your sin-sick soul? Have you ever felt, have you ever touched the hem of His garment? Has He ever spread the skirt of His righteousness over you? Have you ever been dressed in the royal robes of the righteous Son of God and you felt the liberty that we have being heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ? What a glorious day. I got to sit down, but I want to read to you what he read to me, what he sent to me. This is the old song we used to sing when I was a little boy and you was a young man. We used to sing this song and this is what we need. We need the garment. We need the hem. We need the skirt of that Jew, that Jew man. We need to go with him. And this is what the hymn writer said the Lord does for each one of his children. <laughs> Thank you for sending this. He said... Listen to me. This is what Christ does for every one of us. He said, dress uniform. That means we're all dressed the same way. In the righteousness of the Son of God, dressed uniform the soldiers are. When duty calls abroad, not purchased by their cost or care, but by their prince bestowed. What purchased your covering of righteousness? Your prince. What is this robe? He said it's wrought by Jesus' skillful hand and it's tinged in His own blood. It makes the Christian gazing stand to view the robe of God. No art of man can, robe this, uh, can weave this robe. It's of such texture fine. Nor could the wealth of all this globe by purchase make it mine. Tis of one piece and wrought throughout. So curious wove that none so curious woe that none can dress up in this seamless coat till Jesus puts it on. Listen about this robe of righteousness. His skirt is covering. This vesture never waxes old. No spot thereon can fall. It makes the Christian brisk and bold and dutiful with all. 
Here he goes, this robe put on me, Lord, each day, and it shall hide my shame, shall make me fight and sing and pray and bless my captain's name. And as long as I live, I'm going with that man. I'm going to walk with that man and I'm going to hold to the hem of his garment. May God bless you and keep you.